0: Years ago, Suzanne Bailey told me that I was a synthesizer. And I said, what do you mean? She said, well, a lot of people get really deep and really smart in one area. She said, as long as I've known you, you always think from many different walks of life. Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing I didn't mention to you is I'm on the board of an improv group. Mm -hmm. I started taking improv as a principal. I said, as a principal, my life's improv anyway. I better get better at it. So I started right. taking lessons. Mary Catholic said in her book called Composing a Life mm-hmm. said life is improv. Mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty true. <laughs> you can't see what's coming.
1: I'm Jim Knight, co-founder of the Instructional Coaching Group. And you're listening to Coaching Conversations, where I talk with coaching experts from around the world so that all of us can learn better ways to make an unmistakably positive impact on the people around us.
0: Effective communication strategies are essential for professional success and are even more important in our personal lives coaches, leaders, and educators who make an impact communicate their message clearly, build healthy emotional connections with others, and maneuver through emotionally complex situations in ways that allow them to speak the truth in ways that will be heard. Better Conversations introduces six beliefs and ten habits to help you have an immediate positive impact on your ability to communicate at work and at home. Join us for this virtual workshop and learn more by visiting instructionalcoaching.com.
1: Hi there, folks. I'm Jim Knight. This is the Coaching Conversations. And today I'm talking to a longtime friend and mentor and colleague, uh, Bill Summers. William A. Summers is the name on all the books, but I know him as Bill. I've got a little definition here. I guess your mom wrote this for you, Bill. I don't know who wrote this thing, but um, I'll just highlight a few things in your definition. Uh, In your uh, description, in your bio, bio, that's what I'm trying to say. You're a consultant for cognitive coaching for adaptive schools, brain research, poverty, uh, poverty, habits of mind, conflict management, classroom management strategies. You're on the board of the NSDC, now Learning Forward. You're actually president of uh, Learning Forward. You're executive director for uh, secondary curriculum, professional learning for Minneapolis public schools, you're a principal for 35 years, you've written over 10 books, co-authored yeah. 10 books. Um, some of them I've got here. Um, the first one I saw, and this is really one of the first books about professional learning communities, was this yeah. one, uh, Leading Professional Learning Communities. And uh, work got to work with a wonderful person, Shirley in writing this book. Yep. And uh, then I've got... Um, Second edition, there's now a third edition out. And uh, Reflective Practice to Improve Schools. This is kind of a classic book. This probably is one that people are using all the time, still looking at reflection. It defines reflection in many ways in professional organizations. And then um, this book, is this last year or two years ago? Uh,
0: 2018.
1: Okay, so this is nine... uh, Nine Professional Conversations to Change Our Schools, Dashboard of Options. And so what's useful about this book and really helpful is just the fact that you map out those nine different kinds of conversations you can have in schools. Look inside the cover. Yeah, I thought there was a diagram here somewhere. Yeah, yeah here, here we go. So um, starting here and going here. So what's 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 right here?
0: Well, you start with more reflection. uh uh, one of my APs, Jane Stevenson, was a special ed teacher, and she said you start with the least restrictive alternative. So if, re- if reflection works, great, keep going. And right. then if that doesn't, then you start moving up the, the uh, dashboard to more data-driven, uh, trying to get more behavior-oriented. Right. And the last couple on the right side are more. It is this about working? So you might need to find another job. Right. So, but you don't do that very often.
1: Right. And uh, so this would be really helpful for any principal or instructional coach who's looking at yeah. the nature of conversations. That's what it's... Well, pointless.
0: you need You're a... Just... Yeah, you need a repertoire. I mean, not one thing is going to work all the time. You'd
1: right. Depends on the person. Especially today when things yeah. are so crazy. And then the most recent book is called Responding to Resistance. Uh 30 Strategies to Manage Conflict in Your School. We're going to spend some time on bo- both these books, I think, yeah. if that's okay, at the end, but I wanted to do what I'm calling an intellectual travelogue <laughs> or to go through the, the history of your I, I experience. So 35 years as a principal, 10 books written, um, scary. President, president of, the, of Learning Forward, um, but I've, I've labeled you the best-read person I know. And I've been thinking about that since I put it out on Twitter. Maybe it's not true. Maybe you're tied with Michael Follin, but you're, you're the two of you are head and head. I mean, uh, there's no question that Michael's a great mentor. But Michael's thinking his reading is pretty focused, whereas your, yours is broader. So, um, you've been a, a great mentor to me in terms of just turning on me onto books and then reviewing the things I write, but also my coach. We did a stakeholder coaching process with my team where you interviewed, everybody came back and told me, this is things people like, but now I have a list of 29 things you need to work on. And then we picked one and worked on it. And you said, you wouldn't be paid unless I changed. So that's- Unless that's you that. get better. <laughs> unless I get better. So probably need to do it again, see how I'm doing with all those things. But the yeah. health part is, I'm actually doing the health part. So that's pretty good. And we're just- Good friends. We've had a chance to talk a lot. We probably talk once a month. And uh, yeah. And you are to me the embodiment of the professional reader, a person who wow. who you. Can, consumes books, learns books all the time. And so today, what I want to talk about is how do you go about reading books, and then who are the people uh, who have influenced you? So maybe um, uh, maybe we could just start by t- how did you come to be this person who reads all these books? What was it that got you started in the first place?
0: Well, I should even go back to, uh, I literally grew up next to the tracks in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I mean, literally my house, there's the tracks. My parents, my dad never got out of fifth grade. My mom never got out of 10th. So I just kind of an average kid and thought I was a jock. So I go to college to be a jock. <laughs> and so after a couple of years of architecture in three schools, I end up at University of Northern Iowa was an old, uh, Normal school and got hooked on self-paced instruction. So I was a physics major and taught a little chemistry. And um, I think it was really interesting because I didn't read. I mean, give me a problem, I work it out—math, physics. But who the hell wants to read? That's you know, a waste of time. So, so I go up to South High School in Minneapolis, the area city, and bring my self-paced instruction. And um, there for five years, and people kept saying, You should be an administrator. I kept saying, Get away from me. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, I, um, I, I did eight years as the knuckle buster, you know, kick ass, take names. And um, my third principal. Uh, you have is, an acronym for that, right? KETA? Yeah, yeah KETA, kicking ass. Right. Okay. <laughs> to get that there. They wouldn't let me print. They wouldn't let me put that in the book, so we oh, okay. didn't move. Right, um So well, anyway, so move, move move is, is
1: that's is, what move means. Yeah, euphemism for kita. So if you yeah, buy right. this book, you should just where it says, <laughs> where it says move, it's really kita.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, they said you better not. I said, well, Sutton gets all way with having the. Yeah, look <laughs> but right. I don't have the name Sutton. You know? right, right. So anyway, it has eight years as a knuckle buster, and uh, um. I had a principal who was a Marine Corps colonel, and the next the next one was another wrestler from Iowa. My third principal was an ex-nun, Marty Wamsley, and I went to her, in eighty-three, and or eighty-two, and I said, "I'm gonna, I'm going I'm, I'm gonna leave education. Uh, you know, it's kick, kicking kids in, out of school and having hand-to-hand combat." Uh, she said, "I want you to do two things." Well, she said one thing, if teachers got as excited about what they teach or how they teach as they do about what they teach, we'd be better off. Hmm. I go, well, that's pretty interesting. And then she said, I want you to go see this guy named Mark Costa. So it's 83. I'm sitting in the uh, room with about 150 people. Being art, uh, who I never met, said, I'm really not interested in what a kid does when he – knows the answer to something. And I thought that was really stupid. Mm-hmm. And then he said this, I'm really interested in what a kid does when he doesn't know the answer. And I will tell you, that because of that, I'm in education. Hmm. What do the principal do when they don't know the answer? What do the teacher do when you don't know the answer? So Art was um, quoting things and he quoted this uh, uh, research about being efficacious out of a book called uh, Peak Performers by Charles Garfield. And I go back, I'm going, you know, I've had so much smoke blown up my pant leg. I, why do I know this guy <laughs> that knows anything? This is 83, by right. the way. And what the hell is this thinking skill? <laughs> you know,
1: so, I had electricity back then, 83.
0: So I actually bought the book and read the book, and I found out two things. One is it didn't say what Art Senna said. And there were some other things in there that were pretty interesting. I'm going, you can learn from a book. What a concept. (laughs) So, so I don't know. I just started reading. So now I have read 1,200 books and, you know, I got all kinds of book summaries and use them to to write. So it was real serendipity meeting the right person at the right time. And yeah.
1: So who were the first people? Was it, Costen Garmston. That if you were to sort of well,
0: yeah. Tell after the story. after uh, seeing art with the intelligent behaviors, it was slow back then. It's now half of mine.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then uh, after about uh, two times, he came in to Minneapolis, and I said, "I want more." And he said, "Well, we're just getting this thing called coaching going." I said, "Well, what's that?" He said, "Well, here's an article. Read it." And it was by Carl Wickman, and it was called "Developing Teacher Thought." developing teacher thought once I got you know so I mm-hmm. read them going wow an administrator can help teachers think through things and they were developing um, cognitive coaching at the time and then uh about a year later they asked me to be in the in the uh training group where we were we were just trying to figure out what works so mm-hmm. there wasn't a book or anything like that it was a three-ring binder we'd throw stuff out try new stuff and that's where I met Diane Zimmerman, and she and I did. She helped me through the first training I already in fact, in coaching. So, Art's been my consistent mentor for thirty-some years. So now,
1: you still talk to him once a month? Is that right?
0: Oh yeah, uh, once a month. And if I if I want coaching, I will talk to Art Coster Diane Zimmerman. or my two go-to people? Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't mean I haven't learned from a lot of other people,
1: right? But What's his so, what's just tell me about your what you've learned from art?
0: Well, one is that it what goes on in your head when you teach? So, what are the processes that go on? And I will tell you the reason I did my dissertation on reflective thought was that I was so impulsive as a principal get it done or I'll hurt you, you know, do right. something. God. And so he kept talking about. Re, uh, reducing impulsivity of the other intelligent behaviors. And that became, okay, I'm impulsive, how can I mediate that? So he led me to work with Feuerstein and uh, many other people, and so having that reflective time, and of course now Kahneman, you know, System mm-hmm. 1 System 2, I mean, there's all kinds of shown and arduous there's a lot of stuff on the business side, but it wasn't his education. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that was the other thing that uh, when you said broad um, at the University of Minnesota, I just wanted my you know doctor, they said, well, you've got all the education courses. I said, great, let me write the paper and all I'm on here. He said, no, the university wants 45 hours. You're going to have to pay for 45 hours. <laughs> so, they wouldn't let me do it in astronomy, so I went over to business school. Mm-hmm. And that opened up a whole new genre that I never even knew existed. Hmm. So I think you get out of your education. has got some great stuff, but they don't have the answer. Business doesn't have the answer either. But the more repertoire you have, the more ideas you have, I think the better you show up in a conversation and you're able to mediate somebody else's thinking. So really what Art would keep talking about is how can you be the mediator of somebody else's thinking because they have to do it. As a principal, you're not going to be in there 180 days, although there have been times I've been in there 60 days <laughs> when it yeah. wasn't working. Only four times have I ever had to take a teacher out in 40 years.
1: So hmm.
0: that's not where you want to spend your time.
1: No. So um, so tell me more about why you think it's important to be a reader. And maybe another way to put this is you've probably had staff who were like you who said, um, no, I'm not really a reader. I don't like to read. It's not right. really my thing. I'd rather do something else. Right. You know, why is reading important? And then what do you say to somebody who says, I'm just not really a reader?
0: Well, I think a couple of things. One is if you only know one way to do something, you're limited to who you will have influence with. Bob Garson said this years ago, the one who has the most uh flexibility has the most influence in the conversation. Hmm. So I had to when I'm working with teachers that they're not they're not as good as they want to be or things are not working what else can you do? Are you flexible enough to try something else so I get ideas from a whole different I read a business book well, you know rich Sheridan joy Inc mm-hmm. i I was at a parent he, they had me for dinner and I looked at their joy Inc what kind of book is that and the woman worked for uh, Northwest Airlines and some uh, uh, health system. She said, I think you would like it. And so I read the book and so in love with it called Risk Sheridan. I said, I want to come and see you. He said, Well, we do these tours. I, said, I don't want to tour. I want to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> and he was nice enough. So I flew to Ann Arbor, sit down and spend a day with him. Actually, I took art with me too. <laughs>
1: okay.
0: so that's what started that whole job. So, uh, When I read something that piques my interest and I think can help me be a better leader, a better educator, a better learner, then I call them up and see if I can spend time with them. That's how Learning Omnivore started Mm was let's find somebody new we can learn from. And and anybody wants to join me? So we got 25, 30 people. And I've been great, grateful to some of the big hitters in America.
1: Well, I want to come back to that learning omnivore as part of your professional okay. learning. But um, what is somebody missing if they're not reading professional?
0: Well, if they're not reading, you, you probably have found things that work for you if you've been in the education for a while. If, if you read, you get an idea. Now, I also know, I think I saw this in 50 years ago where Ed Week, and uh, I want to say... Twenty thousand subscriptions, and when they found out there's only two thousand people actually reading any of it. Huh. So when I, the first answer you're going to get is I'm too busy. Okay, so then you're limited to what you know, and limited to the kids that that'll work with. What <clears throat> I'm suggesting as you read more, you widen your repertoire, and something might pique another another person. So when I walk down the hall as a principal, by the way, I haven't been a principal for four years, so if anybody is looking for a principal, call me, I'm ready. I am so <laughs> bored, I can't stand it. I'd like to do it rather than just write about it. So right. so anyway, I the more repertory you have, who knows who you're going to run into as a teacher, as a professional, whatever, and if I can then say, here's another idea, I can't force you to do it, but here's something, and You'll find your best learners can't wait to, to jump into something new and get a new idea. So I, I,
1: so I guess what I hear you saying is if you don't read, you're really impoverishing your capacity to get better at what you do. You're limited by your limited experience, whereas a book can give you ideas and you go, oh, I never thought about that. The book expands your world. Is that, Correct. Is that the heart it, of it?
0: Well, that and it's also better if you can do it in concert with other people. I mean right. think of Vygotsky, this is a social. So if you could do a book study with someone, uh and I did that early in my you well know, early in my reading, I'd find somebody who wanted to read the same book and so then we would talk back and forth. Um you can you go to workshops. You you know, there's ways to expand, reading is just one. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh you know, I did we met at uh, dance list after all but we're sitting in the same section i'm going jim knight i've heard of him <laughs> i'm sitting next to him what's that about you so mm-hmm. but you know you just never know who you're going to run into <laughs> right
1: so uh after after cost and garmston although their their impact and particularly yeah. our costas who you've worked a lot with after their influence, who would be another person who really whose work really shaped your thinking?
0: Yeah, I think uh Pam Wolf was the next person in. She lives in Napa and, and I joined her group of trainers uh called the Brady Bunch. Mm-hmm. You know, we were together for twenty-five years, we would see some, you know, new neuroscientists and then try to figure out, you know, what yeah, what can we use in schools? Um uh, she now has retired, you know, unfortunately, uh, but there's about 10 or 12 of us that still get on a session once every month or every other month saying, what are you reading? What are you doing? Because we want to keep the conversation alive to who's doing what, who's trying something in the school. You know? So there's like 10 people that I kind of hang out with.
1: So how did how did that come to be set up, that uh, group with Pat Wolf? Well, brainy bunch.
0: Art and, Art and Pat were really good friends. And then Pat was doing pre-conferences at Learning. Uh, like, I'll always go back to National stats as well, but now Learning Forward. Right. So I went to Pat Wolf's session. I'm going, wow, there's some constructs here that I can really use in terms of the, not only my leadership, but in terms of teaching. So, I, again, I was fortunate to... Uh, okay I'm probably telling tales on his it used to be a principal could go to a workshop and somebody said well you, you want to go to the principal's workshop National principals or the AP workshop and they said no I know how to swear I know how to drink but <laughs> like what am I, I going to learn so fortunately I got to National Staff Development which was kind of the edge group at the time and uh, you know Dennis Barton, Stephanie Hirsch were just mm-hmm. wonderful to work with and you know I just kind of fell into it I you know it wasn't any design but um, I was very fortunate to work with see some really great people there
1: yeah Dennis would be another one on that list of really well-read people for sure yeah very thoughtful uh, guy yeah so then tell me about learning omnivores because this is a whole different thing so tell yeah. me about that how that came to be
0: Well, in the early days of Cognitive Coaching, Bob and Art would sponsor at ASCD or someplace. They would bring in like a John Saphir, Bob Samples, uh, Bob Chadwick, uh, Suzanne Bailey. Some of the really good people, a lot of them are, you know, like Bob is past, uh, Angel Serian past. So they would bring in several people. Well, when Bob and Art sold Cognitive Coaching, uh, I think in the late 90s, uh, Diane and I kept this uh, really good relationship. She was a superintendent. You know, you know, I was still pressful, which I never wanted to be a superintendent. That's a whole other story. <laughs> but anyway, Diane and I just had this great, whenever we got together, we would just share what we talked about. And so somewhere about 15 years ago, uh, Diane and I said, you know, we really in the old days of cognitive coaching, we really would get together with a guru or somebody an expert and we would all learn from them. So I said, well, let's start it. So the first time we started it was Art Costa, um, was in Pat Wolf's living room with 20 people. And that started learning onwards. The next year we went back to, we went back to Napa. And had David Perkins from Harvard mm-hmm. come and watching Art Costa coach David Perkins in front of 50 people. I was shocked. From that, on, yeah, I mean, wow, what a what a gift. So then, uh, Diane and I said, well, I bet we could get more people if we'd go to their town. So Larry Nambamore became, we're going to learn from somebody. And so I would call like a Peter Block Who's a business guy, but right. fantastic. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, I've learned something from people, you know, every one of these. So we go to Cincinnati. So we started going to wherever they were because they didn't have to travel and whatever. And they would do it for a hell of a lot less money. <laughs> so we just keep going. We got Sally Helgeson uh, a year from now. You know, COVID's kind of put us on a year hold. Right. So we've got her uh, scheduled for uh, October, uh, next, not this like, October, a year from now.
1: Well, this October 22nd, I'm going to interview her, thanks to you in setting that up. And she wrote that book called How Women Rise. How Women
0: Write." but she's been in women leadership for years. She's She's wonderful. Yeah.
1: So, what are a couple of highlights of your learning omnivores experiences? If you look back over all the ones you've got, I mean, you've got to see people like you said, Peter Block, Edgar Schein, Margaret Wheatley. You, yeah. you think of somebody who's a big name and.
0: Uh, Edgar well, Schein, you know, was the guru of organizational development at MIT. Right, and we've been able to get him twice, even though he's moved to the uh, Bay Area because right. his, his uh, son lives out there. But he is you know, obviously one of the deepest thinkers I've ever been around.
1: Uh, Andy Hargraves is always Let's, a, let's talk about it. Uh, so so what what did you learn from Edgar Schein? What's a couple important Well,
0: lessons? and he's in the nine professional. He's the second one, Humble mm-hmm. Inquiry. Right. And um, his first book, well, he had several books, but Helping talks about level the playing field. Mm-hmm. Because if it's a one up, one down, you're probably not going to get very far. So... Right just the nature about what keeps you up at night. What do you want to, what do you want to learn? What's, you know, this is a problem. What'd you do?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What would you do differently? I mean, it just his approach. He comes out of a therapeutic background, but he is just dynamite in terms of organization. One of the, one of the things he did was he was working with his, uh, uh leadership team. And, uh, and I've had this experience where he's talking about leadership team and, and they say, well, you know, we have, we never get to talk about what we really believe and whatever. He said, why does that happen? Well, we never get to it. He said, well, who sets the agenda? And the the CEO said, well, my secretary. He said, get your secretary in here. How do you set the agenda? She said, in order that anybody calls in. So you don't prioritize what's supposed to board. I'm going, right. God, what a gift. <laughs> <laughs> so... And I've used that several times with some district or uh leadership teams that never seem to talk about kids learning they talk about buses you know mm-hmm. you put my chore Bes buses bound recent budgets
1: <laughs> right
0: you put that in, in uh unmistakable impact so um
1: anyway well, I think I think uh for me shine uh uh that whole idea of how status interferes with our ability to. Right. Uh, communicate effectively. And Correct. once we take status out of it, the conversation opens up. Like you said, that one up, one down, and people perceive us as putting ourselves one up. And then he's got all those books, Helping be in the First One, then Humble Inquiry. Yep. And actually, well, of, even his consulting work before that was... A well, one
0: of, the, one of the number one goals of cognitive coaching was build trust first. If you don't have right. trust, you're not going to... I mean, right. people will cover, you, you never get to the real issue. So... I
1: well, I want to explore a couple more. What are a couple more highlights from your learning of omnivores? How many people have you seen? I'm going to change oh, my question. I don't know, 20 maybe. It's, probably um, more than that. Well, probably more than that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one
0: that sticks out is John Um mm-hmm. uh, His book, High Expectation: Teaching 50 Ways to Prove to Kids They're Smart. Mm-hmm. Amazing work, and John is, uh, just a solid researcher, and, uh, I just hold him in such high regard, Um you know, like Adrienne Loseerson, not her adult, but through teaching, it's, uh, uh, amazing work, she has, uh, been huge, uh, uh, you know, confident, not a confident, but, you know, a huge mentor as well, Tony Wagner, you know, um, what's the, uh, uh Creative innovators and uh, the global achievement gap, and Ian Dinner Smith uh, wrote the book "Most Likely We Just Succeed." Mm-hmm. Dinner Smith, who I've never met, but uh, the book is uh, uh, what school could be. He went to right. every state to find schools that were make, were doing it where you said it couldn't be done. Hmm. Amazing. Bob Chanwick, of course, uh, being uh, you know he's passed on now, but. He changed my idea on how to deal with conflict. It's not something to be scared of. It could be an energy source. Uh, Richard Sheridan, uh, you know, joy in the workplace and how do you how do you manage people so that they work together and collaborate? And the one I'm following right now in 2015, I didn't think I had enough strategies. So. I read this book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. Right. Marshall Goldsmith. And so you had him as a, you know, keynoter last year in uh, Kansas City. Right. Um, So when I read that book, I'm going, wow. So I went and took the training, and uh, uh, Frank Wagner is the number two guy, and I took training from Frank, and uh, that's where stakeholder coaching comes in. And So I pretty much do a lot of stakeholder coaching with educators now. Mm-hmm. It, you want to find out who if i'm a if i'm a leader i don't know my ap's and teachers they're the ones that are receiving my leadership well do they think i'm doing okay or not and if not what can i work on to get better right so you have to have courage <laughs> to, to do that humility to listen and you got a discipline to follow through So i've learned tons from him and frank
1: you know I, marshall was one of the first people to. Uh, through his books, teach me about coaching in his books that came out. He's got a really one big massive volume of all these yeah. articles about coaching. It really wasn't much back in 2004, 2003. No. Um, and, uh, uh, and then of course that book is really, really, really a powerful book. Um, but the stakeholder coaching, I think um, you said something really important. Um, look, I think we're afraid to learn. Uh, a lot of the time, yeah. and I I think people like I see that with video, you know, like I don't I don't really want to watch video of my lesson. Well, why not? You know, <laughs> I mean, like you don't want to get better, you know. Like I know it's painful to improve, but it's it's more painful to to not be successful, like to pretend you're successful when you're not, you know.
0: Well, when you wrote the video conferencing book, right? I you know me, I was a principal at the time at a middle school and right. walked down to Tony and said, "We do." We do this, so we started doing it on his his laptop, well, his his iPad, right. and it was amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah, but but I mean that's just an example of how pe- people I mean, are. Was res- uh, they they hesitate? That's, to that hear. Humil-
0: that's that humility that Marshall talks about. Are you humble enough to learn from people who give you the best feedback? Now you don't want people who are on a and you just because right. they don't like you. But you also don't want somebody who's going to put whipped cream on horse dung and tell you (laughs) whatever. I'm sorry, I
1: moved to Texas. That's okay. So you live in Texas now.
0: Well, if you're just you know if you're just moving everything over, that's not helpful either.
1: No, no, I don't think you can move forward by hiding from the truth. No, I think think that's that's absolutely true. So when you read a book, how do you do it? Like what what? How do you go about reading a book? I mean, I know well, we start at the beginning, we finish at the end, but do you yeah. take notes? Do you highlight? How do you, what do you do?
0: First thing I do is I, I highlight in dog ear and swag it and whatever and hash mark. If it's something I really think is good, it gets three hash marks or in flag or mm-hmm. a dog, dog ear. So once I get through it, which getting the best parts that I think are really worthwhile. Right. Then I go back and I put notes together.
1: Let me make sure I got this. So your book, let's say I'm reading this book. Yeah. So either I put a little sticky flag on it. Flag on it or or underline it. Underline it and I I might turn the page if I don't have my stickies.
0: Yeah. If I if I underline it, sometimes it's interesting. But if it's something that goes, Whoa, I can use that, hash mark that sucker because I want to go back to it.
1: But what do you mean hash mark?
0: Well, put three Three hash marks to the side of the oh, Okay. passing.
1: All right, great. So you underline lots of stuff, but the really important stuff, you mark them on.
0: Right. Then I go back, which is really forced review, because i got to get in deep. I'm not very smart, so right. i got to <laughs> be able to do this. Uh, so I go back, and I used to type every word in, with my little fingers. Uh-huh. Then I went to Mc, McDictate or some darn thing. And then because I got then I had to go back and do it anyway. Right. And then my son about three years ago found this I-PIN. Right. Zap, and it goes right into the file. Huh. So then I've got, now I've got the really juicy parts. And so then what I do is one of two things. I find somebody that I can tell what I learned.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: A lot of times that's Skip Olson, the former business agent for Minneapolis Federation of Teachers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So so I find Diane or somebody who will listen to me tell them what I learned. Diane is good. Well, what would you learn out of the book? (laughs) Damn. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So because I want to say it. Mm -hmm. And then I try to either, you know, on my learning on the website, I do book summaries. So Mm -hmm. I I might take 20 pages of notes, but I try to get to five or six. And I put, you know, so then that also is another forced review for me. And then ultimately, if I'm writing a book or an article or something, you know, I write new rules on there. Something that irritates me or let's do something different. You know, like my first thing was stand up or shut up. I'm right. tired of the whining. If you want to whine, go away. Go do, sell shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me it can't be done. I've done, I've come out of retirement five times, you know, it, Mm-hmm. i didn't say it was easy <laughs> it's right. not easy wrap on your iron underwear and have at
1: it right uh so you've got like uh how many of these and you call them summaries how many of them do you have
0: uh, it's over 1200 i lost count
1: yeah and, well uh,
0: and and i have to be honest with you sometimes i read defensive reading this book sucks but i just get the five things out of it but Cause when you're on, when you're on your feet in front of a group and they say, have you read such and such? Well, I haven't, maybe I haven't read it, but if I have, I can say, well, yeah, I said this, but I'm not sure I agree with that. So, and I'll go into, you know, spirituality and different things, but I want to get a broad brush because what they do in business and education and creativity, who knows where you get an idea.
1: Sociology and psychology are a big part of it too. Yeah, yeah. So the summaries might be like twenty pages long for each book, right? For me, yeah, yeah. And you've got over twelve hundred of these things. How do you, how do, you, how do you find these books?
0: Uh, a lot of it's uh, like if uh, Andy Hargrave suggests a book, I'm probably going to read that because he is a uh, one sharp, sharp dude. Uh, if his- Marshall or Frank. Frank is one gives me uh, books uh, that he thinks I should uh, read. Mm-hmm. Uh, another uh, another one I'm reading right now and took the to training to be polarity management. Mm-hmm. Barry Johnson back in the 90s did polarity management where you got it's a problem, it's a polarity to manage, not a problem to solve. And then also in the books that I read, they may refer to something else and I'm going to. Okay, I gotta go get that book. So then, you know, I spent too much, too many, too much money on books. But <laughs> now, I, you know, just find something some thread that I want to know. So I want to get no more of it. So Andy, sometimes I'll say, "What's the primary research?" And I'll say, "Should I read the primary research?" And he'll tell me, "No, here's the three things you need to know." Or he'll say, "Yeah, you probably ought to read that one because you get a background." around professional advocacy
1: now you you listed Andy as one of Andy Hargraves as one of yep. your uh, people who's what what what's his influence on you Ben
0: well you go back to uh, sustainable leadership uh, we went to Boston and had him do a couple of days on that and he before that knowledge let's see teaching as a knowledge worker something like that was an older book and I thought whoa he was the first one that I saw take education as a knowledge worker because it was in the business literature. The other thing about business, they usually are two or three years ahead of what we do in education. So then I started tracking Andy uh, with the the fourth way. Uh, his latest book, Professional Collaboration, is outstanding. Ten different things to build teamwork. Um, he, I think he led me to Amy Edmondson out of UPenn on teaming and psychological safety, uh, called what the heck is it? A fearless sure. organization. Yeah, a fantastic book. So mm-hmm. uh, now I sometimes in the middle of the night go, "Ooh, I haven't thought about this book." And the one I'm, I'm working on now for a book summary is called. Um, Let's see, uh, The Charity of Dead Ideas. Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> so that's going to be coming out sometime this month, and then I'll, I'll write a rule, because I wrote The Charity of War. Right. Talking about poverty management, we need a both-hand. So I think I'm going to follow that up with The Charity of Dead Ideas.
1: Mm. Um, so you, you, you do share your summaries, though, on Twitter, right?
0: Uh, on Twitter, because of you. Because I remember you two years ago saying, you really got to write this stuff up. I'm going, I don't do that kind of crap. <laughs> <laughs> and then you embarrassed the heck out of me. And you signed me up, Summers Ain, I, I didn't even know what I signed up for. So, <laughs> well, it's your fault. Right. It's like Art Costa's fault for me reading. And then uh, I forget, somebody got me on LinkedIn, so I put stuff on
1: LinkedIn. Too. Right.
0: I was using <laughs> new Facebook.
1: Those are William Summers eight. Is that what it is? Bill Summers eight. Bill Summers eight. Okay, and and so you've got your there's blogs you do. What do you call the blogs again?
0: Well, I, the blog for me, I don't know what a, really a blog is, but I write new rules for education.
1: Right, right, right. New rules for education, and then but you include the summaries too. So if people, well, call the
0: summaries. You, you know, yeah, I've got what are we reading? So on the book summaries. So right. I got the new rule idea sitting in a hotel room when I didn't have HBO. Bill Markham's on new rules. I'm going, new rules. Cool. Let's do something different. <laughs> so,
1: uh, Joel and Killian once told me you should go to a Bill Summers' house just to see the books. So, 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 what's it look like if I was to go in, what would I see? Is there like books everywhere? I have this picture of like a desk just surrounded by heaps. Well, of
0: books. you look behind you, uh-huh. and I've got about eight of those, but you've got more than I do. So now I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm going to have to buy more bookshelves. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Well, well, um, uh, as you look back on this sort of intellectual journey you've been on, is there anything you regret related to your professional learning? Or you say, you know, looking back, I really wish I'd done more of this or less of that.
0: Well, I don't. Frank Wagner, who works with Marshall Goldsmith, told me a few months ago, His goal is to live a regret free life. Uh huh. And I've really taken that to heart. So that's because
1: he's regretting all the regrets he's had.
0: (laughs) No. (laughs) So if I, I don't know if that's a regret because I didn't know any better at the time. Mm. So I thought I was going to school to be a jock. Mm -hmm. But my mom, who was a hard worker, both my parents heard, I knew how to work. And my mom, who was a caterer and a house cleaner for the people on the rich, rich east side of Feera Rapids, always said, you're going to college. I don't really know what the heck that meant. matter mm-hmm. of fact, I, you know, okay, I'm going to college, but I thought it was me and be a So after my knees, uh, third knee operation or second knee operation at Iowa State Wrestling, what am I going to do with my <laughs> wife? Mm-hmm. So I transferred to the uh, you know, University of Northern Island. Um, so I, I guess I could have done things quicker, but I, you know sometimes it's the timing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can't remember who said this, but every time the student's ready, a teacher appears. Mm-hmm. I am so grateful to teachers that keep appearing for me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't, I don't know why. I mean, I I'm just really thankful and grateful for the people who showing up my life at the right time. Yes. Um, so i made some financial mistakes. Uh being a principal, I got in a bad mood and <laughs> took on a couple of superintendents that I regret that. I could have done it differently.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm smarter than I showed and um uh, mm-hmm. I just my ego got hooked and that's the downside mm-hmm. because I want to work with kids in the south, Right. So I regret a couple of those that uh, I could have done better.
1: Uh, it's called being human, I think. Um, yeah. I think, uh, 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 well, I've heard a couple of things. So there's, there's, there are people who are kind of like intellectual of, of shapers or thinkers in your life. Right. And then there are mentors. And then there are, there's community. And you've got the brainy bunch, you've got the learning omnivores, the community. Do you see those? Tell me a bit about how they function in your life.
0: Years ago, Suzanne Bailey told me that I was a synthesizer. And I said, what do you mean? She said, well, a lot of people get really deep and really smart in one area. She said, as long as I've known you, you always think from many different walks of life. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I didn't mention to you is I'm on the board of an improv group mm-hmm. I started taking improv as a principal <laughs> I said as a principal my life's improv anyway I better get better at it so I right. started taking lessons and Stevie Ray who is a improv uh, comedy club in Minneapolis um, I kept saying well you do this for my staff and so about five different schools He's come out and done things on creativity and and uh, teamwork and communications and whatever. So once I you know took quite a few, I've never been a performer, quite frankly, but, but he asked me to be on his board. So I've been on the board for almost five years now. Mm-hmm. But I love improv because Mary Catholic Mason in her book called Composing Life mm-hmm. said life is improv. Mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty true.
1: You can't see what's coming. She's Margaret and, Mead's daughter, right?
0: Yeah. Margaret Mead and uh, Jeff, uh, Jeffrey Mason? No. I
1: think so, yeah.
0: Yeah. And uh, so to me, learning is somewhat improv. Again, going back to repertoire. Right. The more repertoire you have, the better able you're a- to deal with a problem coming down the road. And then there are times when, well, 30 ways to manage conflict. One of my parents who worked for 3M said, "At the time, you have 25 ways to deal with conflict. Why would you have 25 ways?" And my response was, "I have 24, and none of them work. And I'm looking for 26." <laughs> <laughs> so, don't tell anybody, but I have three more
1: than I yeah, do. Yeah, I know. What was, <laughs> I want to hear what the other. I want to hear what the other three are. Well, let's talk about that book. So. Uh, the book's called "Responding to Resistance: 30 Strategies to Manage Conflict in Your Schools." You got a lovely cover here—people of people looking unhappy. So, yeah. Um, Solution Tree book. Uh, so, give me a give me a couple gems from this book.
0: Well, I wrote uh, I, I wrote responding to resistance because it was the fourth rule that Jen Abrams and I built Jen for quite a while, and that was swimming in the deep end. That was the fourth point. I'm going i've been looking for a place to write about my conflict strategies uh one is there's some foundational skills up front linguistic skills because if you can't define the problem you can't solve it mm-hmm. and if you can't define the problem it never gets into your working memory it's out there and you spend a lot of time and energy right then i moved to collaborative small groups because most of us are working in small groups leadership team uh, grade level, department chair, sometimes uh, you know a school. So I started looking. What do you have to do in terms of collaborations and strategies to make meetings work, etc. Mm-hmm. Then I go to individual. Now everything in there. Let me just be really upfront. Everything in there I have used personally. Every one of them have worked. Mm-hmm. And here is the uh, here's the other side of that. Every one of them hasn't worked. <laughs> so if you think you can pick one out and say, I'm done, it ain't happening. So you need multiple. Some are going to be better for people than others. So then I moved to large group. What do you do when a large group is having trouble? How do you focus them on getting through a major issue uh, that's hitting your school or hitting your district? Then my last uh, chapter... I give three or four on what do you do when nothing works. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm sorry if you think you can solve every everything, it's just not going to happen. Uh, now, it doesn't mean you can't be effective and influence what happens, but not everything is solvable. Sometimes you have to manage it, which right. drove me to the new Polari partnership. Uh, Leslie DePaul has worked with uh, Barry Johnson in I'm just reading a brand new book called And, mm-hmm. so I'm about five chapters in. So, look for that one in a month or so.
1: Yeah, and the polarity is about recognizing that uh, it's not like I wrote a little column about this a while ago on Radical Learners. We get stuck in binary thinking, think it's either Correct. this or it's that, yeah. and and either we uh, we care about the kids emotionally or we worry about achievement. But no, it's we can do both. It's both and.
0: Right. Well, a good one for principals is you've got the old guard, experienced people who've been there. You got young people coming in who don't have experience. The answer is not to wipe out one or the other. You need both, right? And uh, yeah, obviously there's some downsides, but this is a process that uh, now that I'm certified in it, I'm looking looking forward to trying to work work on that more. I mean, I've used it in my own uh, you know administration, but I'm looking for some more ideas on um, co areas that we can work on. And okay, so they, what
1: are the three that are not in here?
0: <laughs> you know, if I know. <laughs> well, well, one one is, there's a book called uh, Try and Make Me. Right. And it's uh, really about kids, but I think a lot of times the adults are like kids, mm-hmm. but they said, let's keep kid-focused. Let's just keep it as, um, as a... Uh, um, I gotta, I gotta look at what which three. I've got it on another sheet. You're okay. You had to ask me, didn't you? I said prepared. Okay. Uh, so, uh, and learn learn improv skills. Right. And the other one is a book by uh, actually a professor at Rice. Uh, told me about a book called Ginny the Right Fight. Mm-hmm. So it's called get the right fight you can't you can't fight everything man if it isn't the right fight don't there's there's no point fighting something you have no control
1: right so uh, it's like the experience you have where you'll go to like a rental car place back when i used to do that and um the guy will say well i won't do it again but i'll do it now you know i'm going to give you this you know i'm like." Why tell me that? Why give me the break and then make me feel bad about it? Like, just give me the break. Right, you know? right. You got you to gotta, you gotta choose, your, choose your thing. I'm executive lead. Give me the damn card. <laughs> so um, I think this is your best book. I Really? Yeah. Wow. Well, it's still See, read vignettes that I try to make
0: things come alive.
1: Like I think it's really a practical, useful book. You can pick I, it up. You can use it. It's got wise ideas in it. You know, and it talks about individuals, well, thank, teams, groups, you know. Thank you. I think it's, uh, you know, I mean, anybody who's any kind of a coach or a leadership position could, could use this. But but it's not to say this one stinks, though. So tell, tell us about this one. This is really great, too.
0: Yeah, well, I I really like that. First of all, Diane and I, I just love working with her. And mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, the graphic that you showed right. was done by an 18-year-old kid a grand, grandson of a friend of mine. Mm. He put it, I thought, God, this is great. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so
1: now. it up again here.
0: Well, and that's another example where Diane and I had to come up with nine. We just right. decided to do nine. But there are other organizers that we could have used. Right. I, I want to get people going. So I, I don't think higher ed is doing as good a job as they could with preparing Leaders in this in this crazy world. So I, I have my seven Cs, and one is conflict, and one is change, and one is uh, collaboration, one is uh, coaching. You got to have a repertoire, in my opinion.
1: So let me give you the the titles of the different parts, and then you give me just a couple sentences on each one. Yeah. So is that okay? So uh, reflective converse- conversations.
0: Well, reflective conversations, way we wrote. Based on uh, Donald Schoen and uh, Chris Ardris from Harvard. Right. He talked about reflection on action, which is before. Right. Reflection in action, which we don't talk about a lot, but Gary Klein wrote a great book right. on that. Uh, what's happening? You're in front of the classroom. This ain't working. What are you going to do? Because you're right. in, And then reflecting forward, which I'll give a plug to Marshall Goldsmith. He talks about feed forward.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You can learn from what happened, but you really have to think about it. So, the second one is shine, which we kind of talked about. The third one is uh, cognitive coaching. I think one of the big things that uh, Art and Bob did, they call it states of mind. I, it's a sort that I use is the person being efficacious? Am I, you know, because you're going to be able right. to do it. Are you flexible? Do you have multiple strategies? Right. Crafts like, do you know how to? What's the data? How will you know it's working? Um, uh, consciousness, what are you aware of? So I asked a lot of questions because I don't want to go over the same stuff if they already got it. And then the fifth one that came much later in our uh, group was interdependence. They're working interdependently. Mm-hmm. The next one is Scarf right. by David Rock, the neuroscientist. Uh, and I just had this yesterday a uh, person I'm coaching in a Chick fil A, as a matter of fact, <laughs> she said, I've got this person who is wonderful with people, but she's not technically correct. Uh-huh. And so I said, you, She keeps coming and wants a title. Uh-huh. I said, So it's status. Scarf S is a status. Right. Me is some people want certainty, right. some people want autonomy, some want relatedness, and some want fairness. Right. If you know what that is, then you can coach around them. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Marshall Goldsmith is find people who work for you and with you who will give you honest feedback, and if you're willing to take the feedback, pick one or two things, you know what uh, that process, and that's what we're, we're going to coach around for a while, and if you don't get better, I don't get paid. Right. Or some, some people now are not interested in doing that. They just pay me a monthly fee. The next one is Bob Chenwick on conflict. Um, you get into conflict. Oh, you,
1: skip, you skip positive deviance.
0: Uh, oh, positive deviance. Jerry Cernan, right. uh, Jerry Cernan, who, again, passed now, but he, he worked with starving kids in Vietnam. Right. He worked with Appalachian people who need special needs. Mm-hmm. All kinds of social issues. So he shows up and says, do you have people in Vietnam you have some people or some kids that are healthy? They say, yeah, well, we don't care about them. He said, but what are they doing? They're living in the same squalor. Right. What are you doing? So he kept asking questions. So how many times has somebody said, well, I can't do it with these kids? Well, my answer, if you're really believing that, you need to find them a job. Mm-hmm. Because there are Martha down the hallway is working with those kids, and she's getting results.
1: So how do we do this? Okay. So before you move on, uh, let me just say, I think that uh, right now, when yeah. things are so uncertain and people are trying so many things, I think positive deviance is really a wise way to go. Let's oh. figure out of all this remote, hybrid, whatever we're doing, what's yep. actually working, what's not working. Let's do more of that. And to, so, be in. intentionally digging around for positive deviance to me makes a lot of sense,
0: right? And I and I call it the reverse Las Vegas effect. <laughs> Whatever goes on here, tell everybody. <laughs> if it's working, my God, why are you keeping it a secret? <laughs> right. So this then I go Chadwick. Uh, Chadwick. Uh, I I was fortunate to spend about ten years with Bob Chadwick before he died. He was a master of conflict, and so you try to figure out what is the worst possible outcome if we don't solve this problem. If it's about your kids and they're not learning. What's the worst thing going to happen if we don't do this? Well, then on the other side, what's the best thing will happen if we can solve this? Because that gives you your goal. What strategies and actions are you willing to take to make the best positive outcome a reality? There's your action plan. Mm -hmm. What will be the evidence that you will see that we're moving toward your goal or not? That's your assessment plan. And when are we going to meet again to discuss this? I think I played the book where I used this with two people in a two-member department to hated each other. Mm -hmm. I did this for three or four months. Finally, I said, this isn't working. (laughs) One of you is leaving. (laughs) As I looked at the guy, you can't make me. I said, you ain't going to like the alternative. (laughs) (laughs) That was the one that didn't work out. So uh, anyway, so then frisk is what are the facts? Uh, uh, What is the, you know, what's the rule? Um, you know, how are we gonna uh, uh uh do an intervention? Uh what's the reward and what happens, what are we gonna learn from them? You know, what's the mm-hmm. knowledge? So it's a process that sometimes you just gotta get real short and to the point. And then finally my move, which is the uh Kida. AKA Kita. <laughs> you know, if it ain't working, now again, four times in forty years have I taken a teacher out before the right. end, Right. It doesn't happen often, but sometimes
1: it it it's happening. It, it. So, yeah.
0: can I ask you a question?
1: You can, yeah.
0: Why did you call me? Why did you I mean we're friends. I get that, but Right. Yeah, cuz you have some big hitters on here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a principal looking for a job. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, uh you've had a huge impact on my um on my writing first. You you've you're you're the beauty of working with you bill is that you don't can decode it you really say exactly what you think and that's Thanks extremely too. helpful um you know i always t- tell my editor uh give this book to people who don't like me because they're going to give me more valuable information and so not that that's why you got it but um <laughs> and uh but because a lot of people if they like you they're maybe they're worried about what you're going to think or right Right, people who maybe they're in a different realm. So then I get the reviews back and I'm like, who are these people? Why could they say <laughs> such a full time? And then after about a couple of weeks, I, I get it out of my system and then I look at it and I go, okay, well, this is some really valuable information. So I'm grateful for that.
0: Well, but, I'm grateful for um, you. Let me read this stuff. I remember your unmistakable impact. You said, I've never read a press before. you read this? That's not great. Bah. Then you really surely ordered to read another one. and you-
1: yeah, surely, sure. surely, another one that would give you the straight goods. Um, but also, um, because of your depth of knowledge from the reading you've done, you're extremely helpful in terms of just bouncing ideas off. And then, as a coach, you help me get better. You know, yeah. that's how you got paid. But you help me. Uh, I think you have to be able to see things that you can't see and that takes another set of eyes, you know, and the stakeholder wow. coaching where you go out and interview the people I identify and then bring back the information and then coach me through it. That's a really helpful process. Yeah, so those wow. are just some of the things. It's really just your loving, warm personality. I wanted to be
0: around. <laughs> Art of when I was doing a workshop with him in Australia, he says, you are salty. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I try to clean it up, but, you know, <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> well really thank nervous. you for the thank you for the opportunity jim i really appreciate you
1: well i, I appreciate it jim. i like you
0: well i like you well enough to tell you the truth yeah. <laughs>
1: well, that's that's a great that's a great phrase All Take right,
0: care. thanks jim we'll,
1: we'll be talking okay. soon thank you
0: you bet bye-bye
1: bye-bye